0: spent the last few weeks, we spent the first conversation we had was, was talking about culture. This is a house, and, and understanding culture. A house is known by the inhabitants or who is in the house. I've walked into homes, and I've, I've been so um, put at peace and at rest going into a home. And I've walked into homes, um, I remember one time walking into a home with Pastor Nelson and the home was just in disarray. And you can pick up on those things. You can pick up on those things. And that's, that's part of a culture. That's part of, of the makeup of a home. And, and so we talked a little bit about the culture. And in today's day and age, there is a strong push on just doing what everybody else does. Just doing what everything, everybody else does. Don't, don't, don't go against this. Don't go against that. And yet when I find the word of God, sometimes there's things happening in the world around us that do not line up with God's word. And I think it's a challenge in today's world to live according to the word of God compared to what other people are saying. What I find interesting is what somebody says one day they may change a week later. And what they changed a week later, they might change a month later. I've, I've seen the scale sliding and moving and the goalposts changing. But what I found with God's word is his word never changes. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for that. When it says his mercies are new every morning, he doesn't have a subclause. He doesn't have an addendum to that and go, oh, by the way. This week, I'm changing it because some of you have been misbehaving. And, and then, and then we, we do okay, and he goes, okay, well, you know what? I think we still need to, to have this little provision like, yes, my mercies are new every morning, but no, his mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that because by the end of the day, sometimes I've made a mess. And I'm so glad that he wipes that and he says, David, my mercies are new every morning. Doesn't mean I keep doing it. I change. I correct. I I recalibrate. But I'm so thankful that he is a good God. He does not change. So the culture that we face, I mean, it's, it bombards us. We talked about This is a house. This is the house of God. This structure is God's house, but also this is a house of God. And last week we talked about how do you build that house. You start by the foundation. You don't start by building the roof. You start with the foundation. And the foundation answers the questions of how and what you want to build. If you build with a foundation as large as this piece of paper, you're not going to get very far. But if you build with a foundation that is as large as a vehicle, you'll get larger. You can build you, What you build on top of the foundation is directly related to the size of the foundation. As a pastor, I can tell you I have seen people who've been building a life, but they haven't built the foundation take the time to get the foundation right um, I, I watch this I, I like watching home renovation shows. I don't know about you but I enjoy watching home renovation you know like help I wreck my house I can identify with that I can there's many things I can identify with you know like I'm in a mess of help and um, and some of these other ones leave it to Brian and all those these these shows where they where they come in and they help somebody who's gone in too far too deep and, and I'm, I'm amazed sometimes as to the way they've done it and how they built their house, and they didn't pay attention to what they were building on. Take the time to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Everything is built according to him. It says in the Bible that we built according to Christ Christ the chief cornerstone, and the apostles and the prophets. And by the way, the apostles and prophets, what they did was they reiterated what Christ did and said. They didn't come up with their own ideas. They in many ways interpreted or demonstrated what he said. So it's not contrary, it's in addition. And this is a house, this is a foundation. This week, I want to take a few moments and talk about we are his house. We talk about this is a house, but sometimes I think we forget that we are his house. And I find it, um, I, I have used excuses like, well, that's somebody else's responsibility. But when I find that I I'm, I'm house God, I house his presence in me. I am a carrier of his glory. I am a carrier of healing. I am an agent that can help someone get saved. I'm not the one that saves. God is the one that saves, but I am a vessel through God that can help someone get saved. If it's not me, they may not get that message. Just like in the Bible with the story of Esther and she's, she's wrestling with this and God and, and God speaks to her uncle and, and Mordecai and he says, maybe you were born for such a time as this. And if I can be a little straight with you and play, get rid of some of the fluff, each one of us has a responsibility on how we house God. No excuses. No, uh, yeah, but, but do you realize what they did to me? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know what my childhood was like? Do you know what, what this person, do, do you know that I suffer with this? or I su- And I don't want to play that down, but sometimes we make the excuse bigger than the reason that we can trust, and that's God. And somehow he can't reach and he can't heal. I'm here to tell you, he can. And we are a house. You are a house. Look at somebody today and, and do sign language and go, I am a house, okay? We're not allowed to speak too much, so just do sign language, I house, okay? I want to I wanna do this carefully, and I want to sl- walk through this slowly. The, the word church, I grew up with the thought that I was going to church, I don't know about you, but I grew up with, let's go to church. And sometimes we have placed placed the thought that the church is the building, whereas the church is actually the people. And we've misused our grammar. And I grew up like that, thinking, well, the church is the building. I'm going to church. And it took me a while as I got older and I understood things that, no, the church... The church is not the building. This is a sanctuary. This is a structure. The church is you and I. And in the word of God, the church that is structured or referred to in the Bible is called the ecclesia or the called out ones. So when I talk about you are a house, we cannot use the excuse of the church is responsible for that with the idea that it's an organization or a non-profit group or a charitable organization. No, the church is responsible for it. Yes, as in you and I are responsible for what God tells us to do. I've got a couple amens. I'm thankful for that. If you can turn in your Bibles to First Corinthians, I want to show you a few passages of scripture that talk about this is a house. I am a house. You are a house. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is is talking to them, and and he talks about foundations for living. He talks about how to live life. and, And we've gone to this verse a couple times in the last couple weeks. But in verse 6, He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And what he's trying to do is let them see how God is involved. And actually, if you continue reading that, he says, the guy that waters and the guy that plants, it's irrelevant. It's God who brings the increase. And, and, and it's not about what I do. Am I prepared to step out of the way if somebody else is watering? Am I prepared to step out of the way if someone else is planting the seed and I don't have to take the credit, but I can let God bring the increase? And Paul was saying, listen, it's not about me. It's about God. He says, and, and it's he, God was causing the growth. And then in verse nine, he continues with that. And he says, for we, you and I, are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You are God's building. I find the the more I read the scriptures, the less excuses I get. I am God's building. Can we just make it real simple today? I am God's building. I am God's building. I am his house. And, and he, says, he says, we are God's fellow workers. I find this amazing because he says we're fellow workers, and, and yet we're his field. He gives some picturesque language here, or we are his building. I am the building that God inhabits. I am the building that God inhabits. And as you know, he made me funny. Hilarious. God has built me with this amazing sense of humor. And some of us don't have that, but it's okay. I've got it for you. But we are God's building. And each one of us, if you go through the book of Corinthians, the first and the second book, you will find that God has given each one of us special abilities, special gifts, special ministry. Every one of us is unique. But each one of us is his building. And in Peter, it says we are lively stones, built a spiritual habitation. He goes, he goes, you guys, you're God's building. And then if you continue down to verse sixteen, actually verse verse ten, we talked about laying a foundation, and and 11, no foundation can you lay, which is Jesus Christ. And then he goes, now if any man, listen to this, if any man builds on the foundation, in other words, each one of us actually builds on Jesus Christ. I'm going to say something here, and I hope I get your attention. God wants to build your life, but he also wants you to build your life. You and I have a responsibility to build our life. What's amazing with God is he says, I will also, I'm building my church. When he says that in the, in the gospels, I'm building my church. He is not just building the structure, he's building me. But then he also says, not only am I building you, but you also build yourself. The decisions you make, the friends you keep, the money you spend, the time you do this, the time you do that, the career you choose. Those are all things that you build your life. And if you don't build them with Jesus as the cornerstone, you're wasting your time. And we are a house here at Solid Rock. We are a house. We are God's house. But also, we are one, but we also are many. And I find it in the challenges when the many come together, because many usually means there are many unique people. But he says, you are building. You can build with, with gold. You can build with stone or silver. You can build with wood or your hay or straw. And each man's work will become evident. Each man's work. And then he continues on, and in verse 16, he says, Don't you know that you are a temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? I find this so amazing and so fascinating, because he, in one case, he says, I want you to build your life this way, and be careful how you build. And then he goes, And by the way, you're also God's temple. To me, that's a very serious thing on how I build. that's why we're doing this, this is a house, not just for the fun of it, but we're doing it so that we build and we structure and we see the blueprint of what God has for us, for you, for me. You want to know a foundational principle for living? I am God's building. Start with that. You're writing notes, a foundation for how you live. I am God's building. That's a foundational principle. And when I mean that, it means when, I, when the storm comes and the winds blow or when other ideas come, one of the foundational blocks that takes that load and that stress is the fact that I am God's building. And because of that, I will respond in a different manner than sometimes I would like. Build carefully. Verse 10. Each man must be careful how he builds on that foundation. Don't just take my word for it. Please, don't just take my word for it. Study it yourself. Be convinced of what God's word says. But build carefully. If I was to phrase this and these verses from 1st Corinthians I would say this is a house built well and I want to challenge you to have that statement in your mind I am a house built well I believe that each one of us can withstand the struggles and the temptations of this world better than somebody who doesn't have Jesus Christ as their foundation strictly because we have the foundation stone that everything is anchored on. Everything. Uh, This is a house built well. I am a house built well. I am a house whose foundation is Is Jesus. You and I are the architect of how we build. I'll let that sink in for a bit. I want to challenge your thinking. Well, I'm just going to allow God to do it. Sometimes God says, No, you do it. I've given you these tools, I've given you wisdom. Build your house with wisdom. I've given you advice. Build your house with this. Build your house this way. In in Matthew, he says, if you build, if you hear and you do, you'll be considered a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you just listen and you don't do, you're not wise. And the last time I checked, doing had everything to do with me and not so much to do with God. I don't know if that's good that I'm not getting amen's or I, I, I just don't know. I'm I'm trying to read, I'm trying to understand. But sometimes we put all the onus on God and we don't take responsibility. The Bible says don't get angry. It says if you get angry, don't sin. Be angry and sin not. So, you can get angry, just don't sin. And quite often, I find them two quite connected. The Bible gives us wisdom on how to build our life. You are the architect of how your life is built. God has given you the instructions. Forgiveness. Build your life on forgiveness. Build your life on forgiveness. That's not God's job. God says you can do it. And he says, this is what you do. You forgive. Don't keep records of what people have done wrong to you. I have found I can't keep records of, because after a while, they start to control me. I, can't, I have to forgive. I have to keep a current. I don't, I don't let those things sit and foster and stay. I can't. Forgive and forgive quickly. Amen. Good word, Pastor. I'm with you. I want you to go to another chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Just flip over a couple more pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're doing this a little bit as a teaching. I like to preach, but I think also we need to be taught. Teaching is not bad. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach you a little bit in this sermon today and in the last couple of weeks, I want to teach you on how to build a life that can withstand things, that can hold strong, that can be sure, that doesn't get blown over. I want to teach you how to do that. And last week, we talked about one of the foundational principles. Have the foundation as Jesus as your cornerstone. Not my idea, God's idea. And here's another one. You want to build your life in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 or verse 13. Actually, listen to this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. I hear a lot of people saying all things are lawful. But I don't hear them say but some things aren't so good for me. All things are lawful But I will not be mastered by anything. Are you controlled by something? Alcohol, drugs, addictions? You say, well, the Bible says this and that. And actually what we do is we make excuses for not changing. And we don't make excuses or we don't give reasons to be living a solid biblical life. And you say, you're getting legalistic. No, I'm just getting practical. I'm getting practical. The moment we deal practically, we get the word legalism thrown at us. I don't know about you, but I, oh, you're just being legalistic. Well, call me legalistic, but what I have found in life, I'm so much happier and better off when I don't just do whatever I think I want to do. And if I call it lawful and I can do this and I can do that, but there's some things that are just not profitable and I'm not going to be controlled by those things. I'm controlled by God. And Paul's saying here, these things, they're not going to master me. Food is for the stomach. If you've got food and it masters you, that's a concern. I enjoy eating, but it does not dictate. But God will do away with both. Your body is not for immortality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Can you imagine having a fitness regime? Regime. It says, your body is the Lord's. I think sometimes we, we, we make the body an idol. I believe in taking care of ourselves. Why? Because it's actually God's body. If you continue, verse 15. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. He's talking about living a holy life concentrated to God. And he's actually talking about sexual morality and purity in this passage. And he says those things aren't to be in a godly life and in a building that you build. Live a life that is wholly pure. Don't let those impurities come into your building. Are you picking up what I'm laying down this morning? I'm not interested in building off of ideas. I'm interested in building off the word. And in today's day and age, even in Christian circles, we have lots of ideas. I've been caught by them. I probably am using some of them. Here's a a tactic to get this, or here's a tactic to do this. And sometimes we have gotten so distractive with, with the hashtag, or with this, or with that, or social media, and we get all subtracted, and we forget just to get back to the Word of God, and we spend more time checking our Instagram and our Facebook and everything else, and we don't spend any time reading His Word. And yet His Word is the one that gives me life and shows me how to build. I'm not the boss. I'm the Lord's. He's the boss. Look at somebody and says, he's the boss. He's the boss. What he says goes. I am the house. I find this fascinating. He says, David, you take care of this, but I want to tell you how to take care of it well. You take care of it well, by yielding to me, by saying that he's the boss, by saying, no, I'm not just going to do whatever I want, even though those things might be okay, and they, they, they might not put me to hell, but they're just not good for me. It's just not practical. It's just not the best way of doing it. I've got a better way, and the better way is to yield to God. And it I doesn't mean you, you say, well, that's not going to be enjoying life. No, I believe the believer that follows Christ is the most content, most happy, most joyful person. I'm a part of a bigger picture. In verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? We have within us God. We have within us God. I don't know about you, but that makes me very careful on how I treat myself and how I treat God. You say, some of this is so practical, it's physical in nature, and yet it carries a spiritual significance. How I take care of this physical body does matter. And the way I take care of this physical body is because I have inside of this physical body a spiritual being called God, Holy Spirit, who is omnipotent, powerful, strong, who's mighty, who is wise. And I have him inside of me. And I want to take good care of this physical body, my house, so that he grows and increases. It's fascinating. Sometimes we divide these things apart and it's, well, it's physical, therefore it has no spiritual significance. No, there are physical things that have tremendous spiritual significance. Your body has amazing physical ability and it also has amazing spiritual significance. And when we talk about this is a house, This is a house of worship. Isn't just talking about what we do Sunday morning, but this is a house of worship. And when I worship, what I do is I do something for my body and my being, my physical being that I cannot find anywhere else. And I'm strengthened, it says, in the inner man. And so when we take this series and we look at this is a house Don't just look at it and say, well, that's all the church and that's only what I do on Sunday. No, that's what we do 168 hours of the week. I am a house. I'm a house of worship. I am a house of prayer. I am the house that houses the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we make it corporate and we don't make it individual. And I find it's both and. It's both this building, this structure, this organization. Yes, we are God's house, but I also find it's and it's me. And I believe when we understand the complexity and the fascinating, the intriguing aspect of the mystery of God, of how he can look at us as many, but he also looks at us as one, and if we can understand that and the personal growth and the personal conviction of saying, I am the house of God, and therefore I will be careful of what I do, what I say, and how I respond, we will see other people going, there's something there that I want, Too often, we allow it or we push it off onto the building and we don't take it for ourselves. And Paul here is saying, listen, guys, you are his house. I wrote down, this is a house with no independent living arrangements. I am totally dependent on God. And I am dependent on you. I am dependent on you, Alvaro, and Luciana. I'm dependent on Brendan and Alicia. I'm dependent on you. You say, "Well, no, I don't. I, I, I depend. You, you, you pour into me. You pour into me just like I pour into you." you say, and and. and it's 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 just amazing i find it intriguing but we walk around talking about boundaries we talk about rights we talk about feelings we talk and yet when i understand the word of god i'm here for you and you're here for me a body that is amazing lively stones as peter said and sometimes that's the why sometimes that says in, in proverbs that iron sharpens iron sometimes there are sparks that fly why because we're getting better we're getting stronger we're getting better we're getting holier we're getting we're fitting together and we're working together there is this is a house with no independent living arrangements. I am totally dependent on God, and I am dependent on you. And I'm also dependent on my personal responsibilities. This is a house of the Spirit in Romans 8. Talks about having a greater work, a law at work in my body. And he, he has a picture of the body and the flesh And then he goes, because the spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ is in you, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. This is a house of the spirit. We are spirit beings. Salvation isn't flesh and blood. Salvation, we're born of the spirit. An amazing, amazing complexity that God says, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to confuse you and mess up with you. Yeah, you're born of the spirit, but you also have a physical body. But you know what? The physical body, you take care of that. But I want you to tell you that you're also spiritual beings. I can't, sometimes I struggle with it. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I can't figure it out. The spirit. God dwells in me because of Christ I'm alive this is a house of the spirit that's in Romans 8 2 Corinthians chapter 6 he talks about being careful that you don't align or come into agreement with something other than God he says don't have idols that take the place of God he says he says you got to build carefully watch who and what you partner with. If you're partnering with, with some, some new age philosophy, new age ideas, you know what? You're not partnering with God. If you're partnering with the latest trend, you're not partnering with God. Be careful who you come into agreement. We house, it says in verse 16 of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, we house the living God. I have someone inside of me who is alive. Anything that comes before God is an idol. So this is a house... I wrote down, this is a house of careful affections and attractions. Don't have a fatal attraction. Have a careful attraction of him. In Exodus, it says, I'm going to dwell among them. Exodus 29. In John 14, God, Jesus says, I will abide with them. And in John 14, again, it talks about the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him know him, but you know him because he abides with you. This is a house of habitation. God habitates me. This is a house of habitation, and this is a house of habitation. Just go like this for a second. Just, just... Pat yourself on the front. This is a house of habitation. This is God's house. He dwells. He doesn't just camp. He doesn't just have weekend visitation rights. He's got everyday rights. And the last thing I want you to see talking about this is a house of habitation. In Acts chapter 2, it says when when the Holy Spirit came, the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound and a rush of wind uh, and it filled the entire house and it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just covered, filled. In other words, you are a container of, and a vessel that is full of the Holy Spirit. This is a house of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's filled with the Spirit. I want to be careful as we do this that we don't just jump into the, the, you know, that's a house of worship and all those other attributes. I want us to make sure that we build our house strong and sure and well. And that's why we talked about this is the house of God. This is a foundation, a house built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I want to reiterate today, not only that, but you and I are the house of God. And as we move forward and we talk about some of these ingredients or some of these attributes, characteristics, I want us to see that these attributes are not just for this structure that we get together in, which is amazing, but it's also something that I carry with me seven days a week. And I believe the world will change when we have that mindset that it's not just one hour on Sunday, but it's 168 hours a week that I represent, and I am the house of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to just say something over you before you exit this morning. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Walk in the blessing of Jesus this week. Amen. God bless you. If you have any tithes and gifts, we have a basket up front. Have an amazing week, and uh, let's see God do amazing things in this body and in your body. Amen.